KYA is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Looking for the perfect gift for the book lovers in your life this holiday season? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations as diverse and interesting as readers are. Choose from plans that allow your loved ones to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or year-long subscription, and sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $16, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine. So when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today and give the bookish folks in your life a personalized bookish experience they can enjoy without leaving their home. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Welcome to Hey Way. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book ride podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Sarah Hannah Gomez, and we are recording on Friday, November 5th, 2020, and... Hannah has deliberately not looked at any news resources yet, so she has no idea who the president of the United States will be in 2021, and Kelly is here to say she lost her brain a long time ago, so this is going to be a really creative podcast. I like that euphemism. (laughs) That's a great euphemism. Let's go with that. Yeah. So we had this great plan for what we wanted to talk about. It was like two in-depth topics. They were beautiful. Like We had them all sketched out, and then... Yesterday, we were like, let's not. Let's save those for when our brains are a little bit more here. We could be a little bit more (sighs) intentional (laughs) with what we're talking about. So this week is going to be a lot of screaming about books that came out this year that you probably may have missed because 2020 has been a different year, to put it nicely. And some books that we're looking forward to reading, both that came out this year and will come out next year. We figured, you know what, people just want to hear about books, and we're going to talk about books. Yeah, which means if you're playing at home, because I know we are famous and nobody ever skips an episode, all of that, oh my god, you guys can't wait till next week, you're going to be so excited, is next next episode (laughs) instead, because we just could not even. Yeah. But we're really excited about this topic. Yeah. Yeah, there's still plenty of notes. Right. It's funny because when I sat down this morning to make notes, I was like, all right, I'm feeling this episode. Like, I'm feeling ready to talk about books in a way that, like, is, I don't want to say not in depth because it always is, but that feels a little less, like, super serious when maybe all of us are a little burned out on the talking about serious things issue right now. Definitely. Were you rubbing your hands together? (laughs) Yes, I was. And I thought I had muted it. Okay, sorry. I was purelling. But everybody understands that struggle. So if our amazing audio editor, Jen Zink, does not take that out, I just hope HeyYA listeners are pleased that I take (laughs) COVID hygiene so seriously. Oh my goodness. Well, I was laughing because it's like it sounded like you were rubbing your hands together like, you know, Mr. Burns. And this was like your evil, like, yes, we're gonna have fun talking about books. And then 
it turned out it was just Purell. You could have lied. Excellent. <laughs> Let's hit the first sponsor and then dive right in, because otherwise we're going to talk about hand sanitizer for a long time. That will happen. Our first sponsor is Instant Karma by Marissa Meyer, the new spin from number one bestselling author Marissa Meyer. Prudence Daniels is always quick to cast judgment on the residents of her coastal town. Her dreams of karmic justice are fulfilled when, after a night out with her friends, she wakes up with the sudden ability to cast instant karma on those around her. So when Prue starts to uncover the truth, her newfound karmic insights reveal how thin the line is between virtue and vanity, generosity and greed, love and hate and fate, thanks to Instant Karma by Marissa Meyer. And we're going to start this episode by talking about books that fell under the radar this year. And I mean, some of these books really fell under the radar. We may have talked about them personally or via the podcast or things that we've written, but for the most part, kind of got lost in the year that is 2020. Indeed. I, especially when I was looking at your notes, I figured because I've been on an award committee this year, I nothing is under my radar. Mm-hmm. I am aware of everything. I have this beautiful spreadsheet because I am chair of the committee and I'm like, it's more fun to be organized at this than my dissertation. And then I saw your notes and was like, what are these books? <laughs> <laughs> so lots of things fell out of everyone like no one knows about all the books so right it feels like everything before march so january and february titles really kind of happened in a different millennia like it was so long ago and then stuff that came out from march after it feels as though so many of them got pushed that some pub dates were just inundated with titles and it was hard to keep up when they came out, let alone now that it's been weeks or months since they came out to remember that like, oh, yeah, I wanted to read that one. Or, you know, I read this one in July and saw nobody talking about it. So it's time to bring it back up or remind people that it's actually out there. You can go pick it up at the library or the bookstore right now. Yeah, it's wild. The number of reviews I've had to do for Shelf Awareness and Kirkus, which are places I review for, because usually it's like, you know, this book doesn't come out for four months, and that's why we're reviewing it. And now I get a book and it came out two months ago. And we're like, whatever, that's where we're at right now. (laughs) Like, what? Who cares about schedules? Just this is a book, we'll review it when we get to it. Yeah. But I guess the good news for listeners is that any of the books we're going to talk about now, they can literally go pick up now. So it's like, you know what, if you're planning on hunkering down for a while at this point, here are some recommendations, titles you won't want to miss that came out this year that maybe flew under your radar. And it's perfect because no one should be browsing right now except digitally. So you can literally go Mm -hmm. pick these up and please like don't get out of your car. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to start? I would love to. So this first book was... Oh, I can't even. So it's The Kingdom of Back by Marie Lu. I know she is big time, and yet I've never actually read one of her books. So this is my first one. And I know it's kind of out of her usual wheelhouse. So I don't know if that might be a bad idea. Like, welcome to this author. You still don't know anything about this author. But I loved this book. I'm super obsessed with Nanerl Mozart, who was you know, the Mozart, if you will, his big sister. And I have only encountered one other book in my life that talked about her. She was a total prodigy as well. But, you know, surprisingly, women, after they show their talent, 
are often just shuttled towards other things like housekeeping and who can you marry with the most money. So when she was young, you know, her father would parade her and her brother around like he was a musician too. So it was like, look at my children. This is my amazing family. They traveled all around Europe playing for important people. And then, you know, it was kind of, she just had to set that aside because, you know, girls don't get to do what they want. They get to do what other people want. But what's really cool about this book is that it's historical fiction and it's definitely, you know, based on real stuff, but it has a fantasy element. And what I didn't learn until the afterward is that the fantasy element is also based on history. She and her brother like did have this fantasy land that they made up and they would tell stories back and forth about going into this fantasy land. So Marie Lu like wove it in in this really interesting way. And Mozart is probably my favorite person to play on the piano. So it was also just fun to be like, oh, I love this because I love playing this. Mozart really liked math. You can tell if you're a music person and you look at his music. Slash, some of his music was probably actually his sister's and he just got credit on it. So if you still have memories of your childhood piano or violin or whatever lessons, or if you just like kind of uncovering women who got shut out or moved to the side, The Kingdom of Back by Marie Lu is like, <sighs> and then just go put on some music. <laughs> this one too, it's a standalone as well, which is, I think her first standalone, everything she's written before has been part of a series. So that's kind of an interesting uh, shift in genre and length of story that she's telling. Yes, which we both like standalones. <laughs> and this one, you can't really find, like, it doesn't really have sequel possibility. So that's perfect. And if you like Pan's Labyrinth, the movie or the amazing Ooh. book that came out last year, definite Pan's Labyrinth vibes. Ooh, okay, cool. You sold me on it. You were selling me on it before, but that got me. Like, that's my level of the sort of fantasy I really like. It is easy for me to grasp in my small little brain that has a hard time with high fantasy. Well, perfect. Imagine me doing Mr. Burns. <laughs> my first pick is Turtle Under Ice by Julia Del Rosario. And this is a really moving, beautiful, and fairly quick book about love and grief written in verse. And it's told from the perspective of two sisters. It uses one of my favorite techniques of a limited time span. So the entire story is told in under 24 hours, but we get this huge scope of who these sisters are and what their life looks like in such a tiny little window, this little peek into their lives. So when Ro and Ariana's stepmother loses her pregnancy at 12 weeks, Ariana starts to spiral into grief as the wounds of losing her mom six years prior and being the person who was with her as she died reemerge in her mind. Ro is also feeling sadness about this, but Ro has found this coping technique by really turning into her love of soccer. And whenever she's on the field, she feels like her mother is right there with her. Ariana disappears. So with the help of her friend Kennedy, Ro starts to look for her sister. And it's here that we start to see the wells of her sadness emerge, particularly as her friend Kennedy gets a little overbearing in not understanding why there's so much grief between them or why they would be so sad about the loss of this 12-week-old pregnancy. So 
Ariana's voice is in the story, but it's told primarily through flashbacks. She has hopped on a bus, and we know that she's got this piece of artwork in her lap. And a few stops in, a former best friend gets on the bus, and Ariana starts to share the story of what happened that caused these two best friends to start losing their connection with one another. And it comes back to grief, ultimately. So Ro in the story ends up finding Ariana. I don't think that's a spoiler. And the end of the book is this really beautiful reflection of friendship and sisterhood and the ways that loss and sadness can tie and unite people as much as it can hurt and divide them. I just, this book captured grief so perfectly and really showcased the ways we can be cruel and isolating towards others and also the ways that we can seek comfort of a loved one when we're really missing them. Ariana is super into art and finds it therapeutic. And then we see Ro finding a lot of solace in soccer. It's a fabulous story, beautifully written. And that is Turtle Under Ice by Julia Del Rosario. I think we've mentioned soccer in every one of my episodes so far. (laughs) And it's not even a World Cup year. My next one is Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. Mm. Again, going with something that's outside of an author's usual genre. Oops, slash, you're welcome. Um, Lamar is known for his thrillers. But this one is a contemporary about a boy who accidentally signs up for a purity pledge at his church, um, as you do when you're in church not paying attention and randomly raise your hand when you see your crush raising her hand. So then he has to keep the lie going because that's how he can spend time with his crush. At the same time, his school has just implemented what some people see as this really radical sex ed program. And he's the only one at his church that like his parents haven't, you know, signed the opt-out form. So now every teen at church is like, can you please ask this question? And can you please ask this question? And passing him, you know, notes because they need this information and they're being barred from accessing it. But then the pastor also is like, so Dell, tell me everything about this. But he's doing it because he wants to kind of come at the school board and dismantle the whole program. So it's this really interesting, you know, it's it's not anti-church or anti-religion, but it's anti-keeping teens from, you know, getting things they need. I don't tend to read a lot of books about religious people just because I'm not religious and it's not appealing to me. But I think this one is is going to be appealing to people regardless of their either religious or lack of religious orientation. I think it's a really respectful portrayal of people for whom church is an important part of their lives without, you know, kind of making the rest of us look like hell beasts or making the church seem like the only way to be a good person. So it's really complex. And it's also funny starting with, oops, I signed up for a pledge because I was looking at a pretty girl. I mean, (laughs) whoopsie. So that's Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles. I love that one. There was so much good stuff in it. And at times, it was just really funny. You're just, you feel for this kid. (laughs) Like He made this dumb decision and, you know, has to live with the consequences, some of which are funny, and some of which are like you describe like really serious ones. Yeah, it's, there's a lot going on, but it never feels like a quote unquote issue book. Like, it's a really good example of you can talk about things without being a problem novel. Right, right. 
My next pick is How to Build a Heart by Maria Padian. And readers who are looking for a book about growing up between cultures, about connecting with one's roots, and about economic disadvantages will love this thoughtful and really heart-rending read. So Izzy is our main character, and she attends a private private Catholic school on scholarship and works really, really hard to keep the fact that she lives with her family in a mobile home park secret. So when her family is selected as recipients for a Habitat for Humanity home, as much as she's excited about finally being able to be in a single stable home for a long period of time, she doesn't want to be involved in the publicity or fundraising that is one of the requirements of the Habitat home because she's worried others, and particularly those at her school, will see and recognize her. Izzy is half Puerto Rican, and her father died during military service. And since his passing, she, her mom, and her little brother have bounced from place to place. They don't have great, strong ties anywhere, though her friendship with her neighbor, Roz, is as close to sort of a real relationship as she has ever had. And when she and Roz start to fall for the same guy, one who goes to the county high school and lives in what they call McMansionville and is in no way in either of their leagues, it's shocking because Lizzie goes all out to make a connection with him and she does it through his little sister. So this is a story about family, the kind that is made, the kind that's found, and it's also about grief and loss and what it feels like to put up this facade about the realities of your life. Izzy is strong-willed and hard-headed, and at times she is downright unlikable, but her situation makes her exceptionally easy to empathize with and to really root for. And as much as it doesn't always feel good to want for her to get with this boy of her dreams, which will become clear as you read it, it's clear early on that they do have a pretty powerful connection. This is one of those books that you could put right up there with books that are about challenges of friendship, as well as friendship breakups and makeups. And that is How to Build a Heart by Maria Padian. Friendship, like love stories are my favorite, like not friends to lovers, but just like the the epic feel of a friendship is like mm. definitely one of my jams. So oops, got to go add that to my TBR. <laughs> so my next pick is Grown by Tiffany mm. D. Jackson. Hella trigger warning here for people who (laughs) have difficulty with abuse, substance abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Like, there is every kind of abuse in this book. But if that's something you can manage, it is, oh, it is so good. Um, So it is and isn't based on R. Kelly. I still haven't managed to watch Surviving R. Kelly, but I've read enough stories and existed in the world long enough to to see where the parallels are. So it's about a girl who wants to be a singer and she, you know, meets this totally not R. Kelly guy who promises her everything. And she gets, you know, totally swept away and wrapped up in his life and in his like web of danger. So Jackson is definitely known for taking kind of, I don't want to say a law and order SVU. Like, (laughs) take but it is that kind of take as far as like these are the types of news stories you see but she really does amazing stuff with them and she's so good at portraying in this book the way that predators groom not just their victims but their victims guardians and advocates and how hard it is to challenge your circumstances like she doesn't forget throughout that like 
this girl wants to be a singer. Like, she's still a teenager with a dream. And the fact that accepting this abuse does have an effect on her ability to do that, you know, what what is what is that worth if you have to go through all this? So it is a deeply troubling book, but also a pretty fast read and really rewarding and moving if it's something you can kind of emotionally withstand. <laughs> Not easy, but really good. Yeah, I I picked this one up last weekend from the library and was like, oh, you know, I've read a couple of Jackson's other books and they require, I don't want to say this one doesn't, but they require a bit of a time investment to really get into them and to to take slowly what she's doing and unraveling it. But this one, I just like, I flew through. I don't know if it just like hit at the right time or she purposely made it so fast paced that you just, you can't put it down and absorb it. You're like, I got to get through it right now. I was very, very into it. And like you said, trigger warnings for pretty much everything in that one. Definitely, but worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, not worth it if it's a trigger, you know. So worth it if it's a thing that works for you. My next pick is Dark Matter of Mona Starr by Laura Lee Gulledge. And I was so pleasantly surprised by this graphic novel. And I'm not entirely sure why, since I love Gulledge's work. I should have known going in that her approach in exploring mental illness would be as solid as it was. So when Mona's best friend moves to Hawaii, her depression and social anxiety hit hyperdrive. She feels super alone and insecure and her mental illness, which she dubs her dark matter, are crushing her. She internalizes the shame and fear, worrying that when she befriends a new girl at her school, this friend won't be able to handle all of Mona's challenges. This is a really beautiful comic that is heart-wrenching and will resonate particularly with artsy kids who are struggling with their mental health. The metaphor of the dark matter works so well here, and the art itself is really beautiful. Mona's internalization manifests physically, so her mental illness has a really physical component, which I haven't seen too frequently in mental health-related books, and given that this one was illustrated, it was especially powerful. The art and Mona's interest in art not only helps her reconnect with herself, but it's this opportunity for her to also connect with her community and help her community come to better face and understand their own fears and insecurities. The book has some really great back matter, too, that it pretends it's been written by Mona herself and it's a self-care guide. There's a playlist as well as a reading list and it's just one of those really nice details that makes the book both a story as well as a tremendous resource and I think that this would have been so valuable to me as a teenager and I hope that it gets in the hands of readers who are looking for comfort and understanding when it comes to mental illness and even if they don't have a mental illness per se for those who have felt insecure or fearful and that is The Dark Matter of Mona Starr by Laura Lee Gulledge. I was really mad when I saw, well, not mad. I was really, <laughs> oh my God, when I saw that you had written this down, because I had no idea she had a new book out. And I love her. Yeah. I I think she's the first person who, like the first graphic novelist I encountered and was like, wow, this this is an art. This isn't just Betty and Veronica, which I love. But those were the only comics I read growing up. So Yeah, she she took or I don't know if she took a break or it just took a while, you know, for the next book to come. But it's been a while since her last one. And 
This came in April, so probably right about the time that everybody was not doing anything and, you know, just fell under the radar. Yeah, well, two more books today to add to the list. (laughs) Tragic. So my last one for this segment is Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. This might not be as under the radar as I think, because every book she writes, everyone is like dying over for good reason. She's amazing. But yeah, it's 2020. So who knows what anyone has encountered. So this one is about a girl named Yahaira, who is in New York City, gets called to the principal's office one day and learns that her father has died in a plane crash on his way to the Dominican Republic. Or maybe it's on the way back. And obviously this is tragic. And at the same time, you have a girl named Camino who's in the Dominican Republic. And she has just found out that her father just died in a plane crash. And uh, kind of in like a parent trap moment, they both find out that they are sisters and pretty much the same age and never knew about each other. So... As they find out, and as they are um, kind of dealing with this new knowledge and with their parent figures who are left, they, you know, are going through some stuff. (laughs) And so the book um, kind of alternates in perspective. And I don't think it's really a spoiler to say eventually the two start communicating with each other. But it was just in a, a really amazing book about like, what you do when someone you love you're grieving over them, but you also at the same time find out that they like totally betrayed you and what you do when like you don't have the room to be angry at that person because they're not there for you to be angry at them, but they deserve for you to be angry at them, but also you love them and miss them. So it's this really complex, like, how do you deal with all of this? And also, can your sister, even though you never met her, help you the way siblings would normally help each other grieve. So that's Clap When You Land by Elizabeth Acevedo. My last pick is Charming as a Verb by Ben Felipe. And this book, in a single word, is charming. It was supposed to come out in September and got pushed to October for publishing reasons related to COVID. And I really feel like it fell under the radar because of that push. But this is a cringy and yet totally delightful rom-com about a boy who wants so deeply to get into Columbia University that he'll do some extremely unethical things to get there. And the girl who has the tools to blackmail this boy is going to use them. And she has been called intense by him and some of his friends at school, and she wants that label gone. This is a fun, full of heart book. And because I don't want to give too much away, this is one I think if you go in without too much knowledge, you're going to get a lot more out of it. But it's a book of delight in not knowing. It involves a fake dog sitting business. It involves train rides to Montreal and a female love interest who is who she absolutely positively has Henry's number. And he'll do some exceptionally desperate things, not necessarily to get close to her, at least not initially, but instead to get close to what it is a relationship with her might offer him for his entrance into Colombia. And that is Charming as a Verb by Ben Felipe. 
I love the cover of that book, and I was very excited when I got it in the mail. So definitely going to move it up a few slots on my, you know, endless TBR. The cover really is like, if you look at the cover and you're like, oh, I like this, you're going to love the story. It's a perfect, like, it doesn't happen all the time, but that cover is like perfectly capturing what the story feels like. Oh, I love that. That does happen less than is ideal. (laughs) So I'm going to do our second sponsor, and then we can get to our second topic. Our second sponsor is Kingdom of Sea and Stone by Mara Rutherford. Ever since Noor was forced to go to a nearby kingdom in her sister's place, she's wanted nothing more than to return to the place and people she loves. But when her wish comes true, she soon finds herself cast out from both worlds with a war on the horizon. As an old enemy resurfaces more powerful than ever, Nor will have to keep the kingdom from falling apart. There are forces within the world more mysterious than Nor ever guessed. Can she stay alive long enough to conquer them? The Cruel Prince meets Ash Princess in this thrilling fantasy, the much-anticipated sequel to Crown of Coral and Pearl. Number one New York Times bestselling author Tamora Pierce calls it a fabulous interweaving of fantasy, politics, and sisterhood. And that is Kingdom of Sea and Stone by Mara Rutherford. So uh, our next topic is books on our TBR that theoretically we hope to read soon. And I love that you picked a lot of stuff that is coming out next year and I picked stuff that is out already. So it's sort of the perfect balance of you can get them now versus pre-order them for yourself. I love that. I love that so much. Like when we did the, um, you know, global versus rural (laughs) stories, like a little bit of everything for everyone here. We are geniuses without even trying. It's kind of perfect. Everyone wishes they could be as perfectly matched <laughs> as we are. Like podcast soulmates. I'll hit it first and then we'll go back and forth as usual. So my first one, I actually, I moved down from the topic of books that fell under the radar because I haven't read this one yet, even though it fell under the radar. So this is A Breath Too Late by Rocky Callen. And it totally fell under the radar for me. And it's a book that I know I'll absolutely love. I got to be on a panel with Rocky about tough topics for book festival last month. And the more she talked about this book, the more I knew that it was absolutely my jam. It is a mental health book. I believe there's trigger warnings for suicide here, which we'll hear right in the description. So know if that is an issue that is challenging for you to read, you might want to skip this book. So the blurb reads, 17-year-old Ellie has no hope left. Yet the day after she dies by suicide, she finds herself in the midst of an out-of-body experience. She's a spectator swaying between past and present, retracing the events that unfolded prior to her death. But there are gaps in her memory, fractured pieces Ellie is desperate to reassemble. There's her mother, a songbird who wanted to break free from her oppressive cage. The boy made of brush strokes and goofy smiles who brought color into a gray world. Her brooding father with his sad puppy eyes and clenched fists. Told in epistolary-like style, this deeply moving novel sensitively examines the beautiful and terrible moments that make up a life and the possibilities that live in even the darkest of places. This book was written by a woman of color, and I believe her background is in therapy or something with mental illness and psychology. So she brings that knowledge and experience to the story. And that is A Breath Too Late by Rocky Callen. I was really hoping since you were doing 2020 books, I would be like, well, I've read them all. So that's good. Nothing else for my TBR. But (laughs) dang it, Kelly, you've done it again. What do you have? Tell me about tell me about your 2021 TBR. 
So my first pick is by a person who, if Brandy Colbert is your drop everything and read their next book person, mine is Stacey Lee. Ooh, yeah. So her next book is called Luck of the Titanic, which like immediately should catch your mm-hmm. eye because, <laughs> you know, of all the lucky things to ever happen in the world, not the Titanic. So it takes place on the Titanic in 1912. It starts in Southampton. Um, So I'll read the little copy, um, flap copy. Uh, 17-year-old British-Chinese Valora Luck has quit her job and smuggled herself aboard the Titanic with two goals in mind, to reunite with her twin brother, Jamie, her only family now that both their parents are dead, and to convince a part owner of the Ringling Brothers Circus to take the twins on as acrobats. Quick-thinking Val talks her way into opulent first-class accommodations and finds Jamie with a group of fellow Chinese laborers in third class. But in the rigidly stratified world of the luxury liner, Val's ruse can only last so long, and after two long years apart, it's unclear if Jamie even wants the life Val proposes. Then, one moonless night in the North Atlantic, the unthinkable happens. Spoiler alert! The supposedly unsinkable ship is in fact not unsinkable. And Val and her companions suddenly find themselves in a race to survive. Stacy Lee is like the most champion historical fictionist in the world. She finds like just the most fascinating communities and like combinations of characters to write about that you're like, no way this is historically accurate, but it is. We just never thought of actually highlighting it before. She's oh. so that's Luck of the Titanic by Stacy Lee comes out next year. I didn't even know she had a new book coming out next year until I saw the cover this week and was like, I don't need to know what it's about because I know she writes the best historical fiction out there. So I just put it on my TBR. Of course, the title tells you when it's told, like where it's set. And so I didn't need any more than that. But your description, of course, only made me want it a little bit more. Well, I also only heard of it when some random girl on my Goodreads added it to her TBR. Um, Random girl being Kelly Jensen. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. My next pick is Dragon Hoops by Jean-Louis Yang. And for some reason, I didn't realize this was nonfiction until just recently. I knew it was about a basketball team, but hadn't realized it was about the basketball team at the high school where Yang is a teacher. And so the book follows this impassioned team that the entire community loves as they make their way towards state championships. I've talked about it before. I love sports books and especially love when they're done in a way where you get to know the passion the players have and what it is that makes them as a whole team so powerful. And that's exactly what this book does. And Jean is somebody who is very familiar with comics, not familiar with sports. And so his real like focus on this team and understanding like why people love them so much helped him appreciate sports just a little bit more as well. And bonus, it's a comic. So I'm 100% in. And that is Dragon Hoops by Jean Luen Yang. The second I finished reading that, I gave it to my dad, who is a retired oh. teacher, and he enjoyed it. And he doesn't really read graphic novels. So I was like, nice. score, you two would probably really get along in person too. <laughs> <laughs> So my next pick is Home is Not a Country by Safia El Hilo. So another jacket flap for you. Nima doesn't feel understood by her mother, who grew up far away in a different land, by her suburban town, which makes her feel too much like an outsider to fit in and not enough like an outsider to feel that she belongs somewhere else. 
At least she has her childhood friend, Haitham, with whom she can let her guard down and be herself. Until she doesn't. As the ground is pulled out from under her, Nima must grapple with the phantom of a life not chosen, the name her parents didn't give her at birth, Yasmin. But that other name, that other girl, might just be more real than Nima knows. And more hungry. And the life Nima has, the one she keeps wishing were someone else's, she might have to fight for it with a fierceness she never knew she had. This gives me major Icarus Girl vibes from Mm. the description, and the Icarus Girl by Helen Oyoyemi was like so meaningful to me when I was in high school. So I am really excited to read Home is Not a Country by Safia Elhilo. My next pick is also a basketball book, and it's All the Things We Never Knew by Liara Tamani. And I don't know why I haven't read this yet, because I loved her first book, and I've had this sitting on my shelf for quite a while now. I'll give the little jacket flap, which reads, A glance was all it took. That kind of connection, the immediate and raw understanding of another person, that just doesn't come along very often. And as rising stars on their Texas high schools, respective basketball teams, destined for bright futures in college and beyond, it seems like a match made in heaven. But Carly and Rex have secrets, as do their families. Dun, dun, dun. The description is so compelling to me. That is All the Things We Never Knew by Liara Tamani. And my next pick is Tokyo Ever After by Emiko Jean. Really all I needed to know for this one was the X meets Y pitch, which was Crazy Rich Asians meets The Princess Diaries. I read the entire Crazy Rich Asians series right around the beginning of COVID and car accident convalescence and was like, huh? And The Princess Diaries, I mean, was coming out rapidly when I was in middle and high school. So I was like, this is perfect. It's about a girl named Izumi, who is Japanese American, raised by a single mom. And then she's, you know, just happens to find a clue to her previously unknown father's identity. And um, that is the crown prince of Japan. So she's literally a princess. So it's a one of those caught between two worlds books, and I'm assuming full of opulence and designer name dropping and all kinds of just over the top ridiculousness. I'm super excited. And that's Tokyo Ever After by Emmy Kojin. My next pick is The Snow Fell Three Graves Deep by Ellen Wolf. And Wolf's book about the sinking of the Titanic, uh, which was called The Watch That Ends the Night, is one that I think about all the time as it was told in 30-some voices from all parts of the Titanic, upper and lower deck, crews and passengers, even the iceberg. And so he takes that same formula and applies it this time to the infamous Donner Party incident. So here's the, the description. In 1846, a group of emigrants bound for California face a choice continue on their planned route, or take a shortcut into the wilderness. 89 of them opt for the untested trail, a decision that plunges them into danger and desperation and finally the unthinkable. From extraordinary poet and novelist Alan Wolfe comes a riveting retelling of the ill-fated journey of the Donner Party across the Sierra Nevadas in the winter of 1846 to 1847, brilliantly narrated by multiple voices, including world-weary, taunting, and all-knowing hunger itself, this novel and verse examines a notorious chapter in history from various perspectives, among them caravan leaders George Donner and James Reed, Donner's scholarly life, wife, rather, two Miwok Indian guides, the Reed children, a 16-year-old orphan, and even a pair of oxen. 
That is The Snow Fell Three Graves Deep by Ellen Wolf. Oh man, that sounds like I need to read it. I was <laughs> when I saw the description, I was like, oh, you know, how many Donner Party books do you need to read? The spoiler alert, you know, we all know it. Yeah. But yeah, okay, there's Oxen, and then maybe I should read his book where an iceberg has feelings. Uh-huh. Well, I wouldn't say it necessarily has feelings. It has a voice though. Okay. Well, going on the TBR. <laughs> sad. I'm never going to read my TBR, but it's okay. <laughs> my next pick is The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulay. And let me just read the flap copy and then talk about why it sounds so cool. So as a biracial, unenrolled tribal member and the product of a scandal, 18-year-old Downies Fontaine has never quite fit in, both in her hometown and on the nearby Ojibwe reservation. Downies dreams of studying medicine, but when her family is struck by tragedy, she puts her future on hold to care for her fragile mother. The flap copy is really long, so I'm going to skip to... Her agreeing to go undercover because, whoo, ding, ding, that's what sounds so cool. But she secretly pursues her own investigation, tracking down cr criminals with her knowledge of chemistry and traditional medicine. But deceptions and deaths keep piling up, and soon the threat strikes too close to home. Now, Dennis must learn what it means to be a strong Anishinaabekwe, Ojibwe woman, and how far she'll go to protect her community, even if it tears apart the only world she's ever known. I just... We don't get enough books and we certainly don't, you know, give enough noise to news and books about Native women. So I'm super excited about that for social responsibility reasons, but also because it just sounds like a super dope book. And I love it when teens bring down systems. I saw this one being described by the author as Native Veronica Mars. And I was like, that's it. That's all I needed. Oh, um, snap. Yeah. 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 And it has this incredible cover, too. Like, they they really went for it in the packaging. So I'm so excited to get my hands on this one as well. Oh, I'm looking at, I've like, I've got two left. How many left do you, like, how many are left on your list? That depends whether you look at my priority list or my rapid fire list. <laughs> so I have about 25 left, but... I can just like tell names and titles of the rest if we're running low on time. We are always running low on time. We should rename this podcast <laughs> talking about YA too much. Let's let's do two more each because that's what I've got left and take that however you want to. Perfect. My next pick is Thoughts and Prayers by Brian Bliss and this one despite being by Brian Bliss, I haven't picked up yet because when the pandemic shutdown happened, advanced reader copies disappeared from the mail and a lot of publishers went digital only. That's awesome for a lot of people, not for me. So that means a lot of stuff that I would have otherwise already read before it came out. I've been waiting until it's in print and I can pick it up. So this is one of those and it'll probably be on my library pile next time I go. So it sounds like a really great read-alike to Cody Keplinger's That's Not What Happened, if you've read that one. Here's the little description. Claire, Eleanor, and Brezen have, a little, have little in common, except for the fact that a year ago, they all hid under the same staircase and heard the shots that took the lives of some of their classmates and a teacher. Now each one copes with the trauma as best they can as the world around them keeps moving. Thoughts and Prayers is a story about gun violence, but more importantly, it is the story of what happens after the reporters leave and the news cycle moves on to the next tragedy. It's the story of three unforgettable teens who feel forgotten. And that's Thoughts and Prayers by Brian Bliss. 
That sounds great in one of those. I don't want to read it, but I want to read it also. Mm, yeah. Like reading it with your hand over your eyes kind of thing. That, yes. So my next pick is one that I was kind of surprised that I wanted to read. Generally, when I'm told something is a retelling of a classic, that's not really a magnet for me. Mm. Um, but if you mention Oscar Wilde, I'm going to be like, okay, that's fine. I will definitely read it. <laughs> so this one is a retelling of The Picture of Dorian Gray. So that's what I love about this, too, is usually like a big catnip thing for people is like, blah, 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 classic canon novel, but make it gay. So this one, you could kind of say that, except it's Oscar Wilde. So it's already <laughs> super gay. But this one has sexy lesbians, it says, which sounds like it's not YA, but I swear it is. It sounds amazing. It's this retelling, but with girls starring in it. It's a psychological thriller. It sounds like less of a retelling, honestly, and more of a like homage um, and a here's, here's how else this could work. I don't know. Maybe that's the same as a retelling. But it sounds awesome. It is She's Too Pretty to Burn by Wendy Hurd. Comes out sometime in 2021. I don't know because time doesn't make sense anymore, but Oscar Wilde, Hannah Catnip. There we go. My next and my final pick is Aftershocks by Marissa Reichert. And this is a survival story. I love survival stories and I love when they're paired with natural disasters. I don't know what it is about that that makes it my reading jam, but uh, welcome to this book, which I'm hoping to pick up in the next week or so because it is 100% my catnip. Here's the description. When a magnitude 7.8 earthquake hits California, Ruby is trapped in a laundromat with Charlie, a boy she had her first conversation with only moments before. She can't see anything beyond the rubble that she's trapped beneath, but she's sure someone will come save them soon. As the hours and days tick by, Ruby and Charlie struggle to stay hopeful and stay alive. Ruby has only Charlie's voice in her memories to find the hope to keep holding on. Will the two make it out alive? And if they do... What will they have lost to the earthquake? This sounds so good. That is Aftershocks by Marissa Reichert. Uh, another book for my TBR. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> since I can only pick one, I'm going to pick one that I feel like I haven't heard about at all, which is weird. So the book Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera, mm -hmm. I read for a class a couple years ago when it was still from an adult publisher. Mm -hmm. And then it was picked up, repackaged as YA, I assume lightly edited, because that's usually how that goes. But apparently there's now going to be a graphic novel. And oh, I didn't know that. Right. No one's talking about it, which is crazy, because... It is what it is, but also because Gabby Rivera does graphic novels. Yeah. Um, she does a superhero. Is it? It's not Marvel. It's I'm bad at superheroes. Isn't it America Chavez? Yes. And I don't know if she has like a other superhero name, but that one. And then so the artist working with her on this is um, Celia Moscotti. I, yeah, I mean, Juliet Takes a Breath is such an amazing like kind of loud in a good way story about like taking up the space you are owed and that you should be entitled to. So yeah, I just, I think it's amazing that it's been out for maybe like three years and this is the third version we're getting it. And mm -hmm. it's, it's because how everyone loves it. So that's Juliet Takes a Breath of the Graphic Novel by Gabby Duvera and Celia Moscote. 
I didn't know that was happening either. And now I'm really excited. I loved it when I read it because I read it in that first form too, when it was an adult novel and was really happy when it got repackaged and then that they're going to make it available for even more readers in a different format. It's awesome. My assumption is that they're probably already like shooting the movie and they just yeah. told us. I mean, and the podcast and, you know, it's going to be an art installation at the Met or something. <laughs> like, who even knows? To be fair, it was published by Freeform and a lot of times their properties are what become adapted in some way. So it's not super surprising. I just That's am true. surprised you didn't hear anything about it. That, I think, is our show for this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Sincerely, we know it has been a rough week. It's been a rough month. It's been a rough year. And we're grateful for your support. And we're super excited to help you find books to bring a little bit of joy into your life. If you have feedback about the show, you could leave that on Apple Podcasts. It lets us know how we're doing and it helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, who makes us sound much better than we really do. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen. And you can follow Hannah as SHG McLicious on Twitter and Instagram, and also Bookish Girl Fit on Instagram. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. See you. I wish you all fortitude and some rest. Bingo. (laughs) 